We're getting closer and closer to the Culture Proof Conference 2024, and we could not be more excited. Yes, it's a great time for the whole family, a great time of ministry. Mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, <laughs> everybody, the kids. We have uh, something for them as well. Of course, we have the Culture Proof Kids, Culture Proof Teens. It's going to be led by Maria Hamilton, the third, the third. <laughs> and also Mark and Amy Warren. And so, That's right. man, the kids are going to be equipped, and you can have some great discussions discussion and conversation with them as you head back home. We are so excited. This year's conference is hosted by Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. When registration opens, you will be among the first to know. If you go to cultureproof.net, make sure you join our email list because we are going to blast out open registration to that list first. So go to cultureproof.net. Make sure that you stay connected. We're super excited about our guests who are all joining to talk about one thing, Mm. resistance the cultural trends that rival the truth. We're going to be talking about the ways that we can remain culture-proof from Mm -hmm. scientific apologetics, biblical apologetics, cultural apologetics. How do we live in this world as faithful followers of Christ? We're going to target every age group, so make sure you show up and bring your entire family. Yes, we're going to have a great lineup of speakers, which you'll be able to view their bios on the website, cultureproof.net. Once you go on, Abraham Hamilton III, Miki Addison, we're going to have Dr. Jason Lyle, Dr. Kathy Cook, and others. It's going Dr. To be great. Renton Rathbun, Dr. Lee Brand. We are super excited. Dr. Turin Dames. Mm-hmm. I feel like by next conference, I'm going to also have my doctorate just because <laughs> it kind of flows. Anyway, hey. we're super excited about what the Lord is doing, and we want you to join us. The Culture Proof Conference happening July 18th through the 20th at Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. Stay connected because more information about that is rolling out just around the corner. You're going to find that at cultureproof.net, cultureproof.net. Make sure you join the email list. We can't wait. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today, man, a little bit of a conversation that I have to admit kind of hurts me just a little bit. Um, I can think back to um, 2007. We had just had Mariah, our, our firstborn. And um, I, I remember this is the first time I'd ever heard of a podcast or heard of like listening to radio sermons on the computer, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not even really sure if it was called a podcast. I feel like it was, although I was not listening to it on like a, like a, 
Apple iPod or anything. I was listening to it on my computer. Yeah. And the very first one that I ever had was Alistair Begg's um, podcast. And you remember, yeah, I would I listen to mm-hmm. his sermons. I've always thought that he is just a delightful teacher. Um, his accent, I think, probably makes some of the hardest points that he communicates easier to stomach. Like, I mean, I think it's, you know, you are <laughs> headed toward destruction. But when you say it with his accent, it just is like, Okay, yeah, it's still it's serious, but you know, there's something different about it. Um, but I've listened. I say all of that to say that I have listened to Alistair Begg for at least 17 years, and some people probably would say even longer than that. Um, but recently, I learned that he was doing one of his podcasts for his uh, church, and he was being interviewed about a book that he recently authored. And this was near the end of last year. And so I don't know why this was, I guess, kind of under the radar. And one of those things that you didn't hear a whole lot, at least I didn't hear a whole lot of talk yeah. about. Um, but I, I went back and I listened to that interview. It's about a 30 minute interview that he does with, uh, Bob Lapine, who is sort of like the voice for his sermons. If you've ever listened to Alistair Begg, um, both voices are very familiar, Bob, Bob Lapine and Alistair Begg. And you're going to hear, we're going to play, um, a clip for you and we'll kind of go in and out of this clip and just talk about it. Um, but you'll hear the conversation between Alistair Begg and Bob Lapine. And if you are familiar with what he produces, the content that he produces, both of those voices will be familiar. Um, but the reason I wanted to have a conversation about this is because when you get to the end of the interview, um, Alistair Begg talks about how, you know, and and for the duration of the interview, he's kind of talking, well, let me back up here just for a second, because I I want to make sure that all of our listeners understand. So back in September, this is an interview from September 17th of last year, uh, Truth for Life has a podcast and um, Alistair Begg was being interviewed by Bob Lapine because of a book that he just released. It's called The Christian Manifesto. And the subtitle of that book is Jesus's Life Changing Words from the Sermon on the Plain. And it's taken from Luke chapter six, right? And so as I was listening, I went to Luke chapter six and I was reviewing some of what Jesus was saying. And what I took from the interview, it's about a 30 minute interview. We're going to play about three minutes of it. And and it's crazy because the three minutes that we're going to play yeah. are at the end of this interview. It's wow. like the, the entire interview, <laughs> although I think is really important. Um, we will put a link to the entire interview in the description of this podcast if you're watching it on YouTube, because I think it's important. Um, the entire interview, I feel like, causes me great concern once you get to the end. Mm. So as I'm listening to the interview, and I'll explain what I mean by that, as I'm listening to the interview, I'm thinking, whoa, it seems like he's saying or suggesting that Christians have been unloving. You know, there's one example, I'm going to paraphrase here, where he says, you know, we've got to do something different. Um, We've got to live differently in the world. He says, if you've got um, like a college student who is in crisis or who is struggling, um, is the first place that that college student thinks to go, um, is it the church? Mm. And so essentially it seems like he's saying that we have been unloving. And whenever you have a statement made that way. Well, of course, Christians want to lean in because that is sort of the um, accusation that we are (laughs) most familiar with, you know? And when do we often get accused of being unloving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's usually the number one accusation. Either that or judgmental. Yeah. You're judging me. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, this is um, something that 
I would not have expected from an Alistair Begg, but you mm-hmm. know, um, I think it's something that we need to talk about. Now, what do you mean when you say um, yeah. from an Alistair Begg? I think I know what you yeah. mean, but I, I kind of think, yeah, it's worth well, exploring. It's one of those things where if you would have told me that, you know, he said what he said, mm-hmm. I, I would be like, are you sure you were listening to Alistair Begg? Yeah. Because he has a, I feel like, I, and I haven't listened to him as intently as you have, mm-hmm. but what I, from what I've heard of him, you know, I feel like he has a great uh, hold on the Bible and understanding yes. and teaching and the truth and things like that. So I wouldn't have thought that. Just like, you know, if you would have told me that the things that they were saying about Ravi Zacharias was oh, like, my goodness. this is what he right. did. And I, I don't, I'm not comparing the two like right. that. No, like sure. saying, but I'm saying that I wouldn't have, I didn't initially. Yeah. I was like, no, no, yeah. you know. So that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, when I first read an article that talked about... Um, Pastor Alistair Begg's comments recently, I found I found the need to get more context. Like right, I didn't immediately right. think, oh my goodness, this is so like unbelievable because I don't actually think of Alistair Begg as a trendy pastor right, and I don't think right. of him as one given to trying to um, make nice with the culture. Like he right. always teaches hard truth, I feel. Like if you have told me, Man, Mike Todd said this. I've been like, yeah, mm, okay, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. But if you said Alistair Beck said this, I, you know, I've been like, are you sure? Yeah, and it's not. It's just because of the track record, yeah. you know, of the history of the teaching, yeah, and what I see, what I see to be as a person that's been pretty solid. Which throughout I think the years. is a good category to be in. Like if if you if you have an if you are a pastor and the Lord has blessed you with a far-reaching influence, right? Like Pastor Begg, Pastor Alistair Begg is known outside of his church. And so I would say that that there's a, a lot of influence that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who would probably even consider him their pastor. And I think that if you've been blessed with that type of influence and a person would say, um, and Alistair Begg, like just mm-hmm. if your name is sort of like characterized as a certain expectation, right? I wouldn't expect right. this from an Alistair Begg, which means that um, he has some trustworthiness. Right. Um, he has some credibility. Right. Right. Um, he has some stick to the scripture Mm-hmm. that we have come to expect. Right. I think that's really good. And I want to really be gracious as we talk yeah. about this. Like, yeah. I just don't want to, um, man, I don't want to pile on. But when I went back to listen to the interview, um, I thought, oh, something about it just feels like Christians are being told again in a subtle way, but 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 being told nonetheless that we are not loving mm. and that we've got to find ways to build bridges mm. And it seems, though, whenever Christians are told that we have to find ways to build bridges, it it seems that we supply all of the wood and we (laughs) get all of the tools and we do all of the work to get Mm. to the other side. And then it feels like to me that what we are actually saying is that as we build the bridges, um, the word of God would not be a part of our architectural plans. Wow. Like, it, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it just feels no, like I got you. build a bridge, but the Bible is not your blueprint. Right. Um, oh. Build the bridge. You supply all of the tools. Mm. You supply, you know, all of the lumber and, and all of those things. And so, you know, I hate to say that that's what I walked away with as I was listening to this interview. But if I'm being completely honest that's a little bit of what I walked away with. I thought that Alistair Begg was saying that we have got to find a way to tell the truth in the 21st century 
Um, apart from the word of God? Apart from what the, the Bible would, says? Okay, I wouldn't go so far okay. as to say he was <laughs> suggesting apart from the word of God. I would not go that far. I I, I think that that would, would lack charity. So in if addition I said that. to what the word of God said, like add on. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. Well, I'll let you be the judge. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. I, I feel like what he was doing was um, in the conversation. Now I have not read the book, but I feel like in the conversation, what he was doing was utilizing the scriptures and rightly so to point out, you read Luke chapter six, as I did uh, just to refresh. I, I feel like he was pointing out Hey, Jesus calls us to live differently. He calls okay. us yeah. to shock onlookers with living otherworldly. And that is true. But I almost felt like there was a sense of, so now what does that mean um, for Christians today? And it seemed that if we are to shock onlookers, it is that we will not live the way Christians have lived um, for at least the last 2000 years. Like I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. And that concerns me. So, um, without dragging this out yeah. too long, I want to have a conversation around it. I want to play the last three minutes of the interview. The thing that really concerned me was the last anecdote that he used in the interview, which I felt, mm -hmm. I felt was used because I felt really that it encapsulated the entire interview. Do honestly. we know of any clarification from him? I have not, I have not read one. I didn't, okay. I didn't, yeah. I didn't look for one. Um, there could be a clarification. I think, look, we want to be generous be in if that. He, if he feels yeah. like, unless he feels that, hey, this is what I said and this is what I meant. If there's a clarification in some people may not like this, like that's a parenthetical note that mm -hmm. he makes in the statement. He says, um, some people may not like this. So maybe, maybe that's, maybe that that's his clarification. Um, from, on anyway, the front end. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. We can, here we go. Let's roll it. So you think about this book and your prayer for this book, what do you hope will be different? How do you hope people will be different after they have read uh, this book and they've meditated on this sermon? Well, first of all, I, you know, I hope that I will be different. Um, the old song that we never sing, you know, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I mean, that that is that is foundationally the case. Um, and so I hope that that would be multiplied. I hope that that um, our church family, those who choose to uh, read this book, that we that it might have an impact among us because learning to say, I'm sorry, learning to say, please forgive me, learning to say, you know, I'm not at my best at the moment. Can you come alongside me? Learning to say, yes, I know that these people believe a very different agenda, that their lifestyle is orientated in another direction, and learning to say, but I have no basis upon which I could argue that I would, myself would not be where they are, were it not for the amazing grace of God, were it not for his compassion towards me. Okay, can we just pause just for a second here? 
Um, and that's not the end of it. So I don't know if it'll pick up right where we left off. I think it will. Okay. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> we'll see. First, first thing I want to just jump in and say is when, when we start to talk about people that we don't have things in common with, and we say that we know this person is oriented, um, according to a different lifestyle, um, mm. that is cultural language. Yeah, that wording, that oriented. That's not <laughs> biblical language, yeah. right? Like if, See, if, yeah. if we want to talk. That's in addition to the Bible. Yeah. Like, that's what I was talking about. I'm yeah. not trying to be, you know, blast, you know, Alistair Begg, Pastor right. Begg, but right. that's in addition to the Bible. That's not yeah. biblical language. I agree mm. with you. I agree. I, I cannot disagree with you on that. Um, I, I would say that when we start saying things like orientation, for the Christian, the only, the only, if we are to have any type of belief in orientation, it is that all of us are born oriented towards sin. Mm-hmm. Like we are bent towards sin. We are turned, we are calibrated towards sin. And because of that, there is an incredible amount of humility because all of us, all of us Christians, all of us people need God's grace. Christians have then publicly acknowledged that I know it mm-hmm. and I have fallen upon the mercy of Jesus. But even as he goes on, and we'll go back into, into the clip, but even as he goes on, um, you know, just to begin by saying people who are oriented in a different direction than we are, right. um, you know, mm. that, that to me mm. again says, I am coming to this apologetic, uh, from a different angle. And again, I just got to tell you, if I'm, if I'm being honest, that makes me nervous. Yeah, no, I agree. You want to pick up where? Yeah, let's go back to it. And in very specific areas, this comes across. I mean, you and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person. And I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus? Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way, the choices that he has made in life. Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm-hmm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Pa- oh, okay, she said, hold, uh, hold on, hold on. Um, Alistair. Um, no. Pastor, like- this, this, is, this is so <clears throat> concerning. Like, I, okay, so I, but again, Man. I don't think that emotional responses serve anybody well, but I got to tell you, I do feel a stirring of my emotions. Why? Because I so don't want Alistair Begg to be saying this right yeah. now. If I could just tell you frankly, like it's not that I want anybody to be communicating um, questionable teaching, but especially someone that you've respected for years and that you feel has been solid. I'm going to tell you, it sounds on the order of what you had from like a J.D. Greer. Yeah. Some of those were, uh, you know, pronoun hospitality and stuff like that. Like a Preston Sprinkle. Yeah, it's it's like this, man, man, you know, again, I would not have expected this from uh Alistair Begg. Right. Um, but it's it goes around, along with the culture pressing in yes. so tightly and yes. so hard that even ones who have been, you know, students of the word and yep. we've known to to be solid, man, on these issues, it's like a 
becomes jello. You know, yeah. like no, yeah. instead the, of just standing on the word of God and, and saying what has to be said from the word. Yeah, I, I was trying to think as I was listening to this and, you know, I would rewind it and go back and listen again. I'd rewind it, go back. And, and I was trying to understand... Um, you know, is is he is he actually saying what I think he's saying? And and the fact that he gives some clarity while he's answering the question tells me that yes, he is saying exactly what I fear he's saying because yeah. he he begins with saying, um, and some people may not like this. So can I tell you, right. I've never been moved by what I do and don't like. My question is always, well, is it biblical? Like, is it biblical? Yeah. Even if it makes yeah. me comfortable or uncomfortable, that doesn't matter. The question is, does it please the Lord? And is it expressly laid out? Do we have an apologetic for this? And I, then after that, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to the qualifying statements that he said he communicated or the qualifying questions that he said he communicated communicated to this grandmother. Mm. Does your grandson know this that mm -hmm. you believe about Jesus? Does your grandson know this that you mm -hmm. believe about sin? And then if your grandson knows all of these things that you believe about sin, then go ahead and affirm the wedding mm. um, and then also get a gift. That That's that's egregious. Like, I just have to tell <laughs> you, that's that's very, yes, that's egregious because we talk about Romans chapter one, verse 32. Like, th that's, you know, you're giving approval to sin. Yeah. And when someone starts off saying, I know some people may not like this. Whenever I hear that, I, I the person knows exactly what they're saying yeah, or yeah, what they're going yeah. to say, and they know that it probably isn't like all the way squared up where it needs to be. Yes, you know. So yes. I'm like, man, it's concerning. I, it's concerning, and I want to be like, what? But 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 I have to say, we would be the same way if it was. You can't a, show partiality. A JD Greer, if yep. it was, you know, Mike Todd, yep. if it was, you no know, partiality. William Murphy, it's, whoever. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. And and let me let me also say this. I was trying to think of an instance in any other circumstance where I would participate in something that I knew to be sin, that I knew to be egregious, that I knew to be an affront to the holiness and the righteousness of God. And I would say, well, I can participate in this because the people who are actually doing it know that I disagree. Right. Like they know that I believe this is <laughs> so sinful. that makes it OK. I can do it. Do you see what know. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I don't I can't think. So, for mm -hmm. example, for example, if someone were having some sort of um, human sacrifice service mm. and, and I say, well, you know, I do not believe that um, this is something that I can reconcile to my Christian belief. But because it means a lot to you um, to show grace and mercy, I am going to attend this ceremony with you. Can I participate in an abortion? Even though I believe it's wrong mm. to take human life, but I want to support the person who's in crisis. So you're not going to change your mind. I'm going to just go with you and hold your hand. Mm. No, <laughs> I, I can't find a place where this works, it where work. it is okay for me to affirm sin in any way. So, mm. so what am I doing as this dear grandmother who has been told, go to this wedding and also bring a gift. So now it's not only that you're standing as a witness, and this comes back to what we believe about witnesses who attend weddings. We do not. We personally do not flippantly attend weddings. Right. Like we strongly consider when we have been invited to weddings because we believe that when we attend the wedding, we are right. serving as a witness. Exactly. We are saying we agree. Yes. We agree, right? If we disagree, we are not going. Right. Okay. Furthermore, furthermore, you're saying attend the wedding and bring a, gift. bring a gift. So you're saying agree with it. Mm-hmm. 
by your presence mm -hmm. and then celebrate it by yes. bringing a gift. Yeah. That is one of the most confusing statements that I think we could ever communicate to people. I'm going to tell you that inherent in that communication, and please bear with me here, is a type of subtle moral relativism. What he is encouraging the grandmother to do is to say, this is what I believe. Mm. Now, what you believe, you go ahead and do. But this is what I believe. So in other words, what Pastor Alistair Begg is saying is that this grandmother should communicate to her grandson that this conviction is only mine. And so therefore, I am going to submit to this conviction that this is not marriage, that this is mm. sin, but you are not bound by this. So can I say that, and I know that this is very strong, but in so doing, the grandmother loves the grandson to hell. The Come grandmother on. loves the grandson to destruction because what has she indirectly communicated? She's indirectly communicated that, you know what? This is granny's conviction. You know, I've been following Jesus for a long time, but I know <laughs> that times have changed. And even though I would not marry a woman or man that was once a woman or woman that was, I would not. I don't understand that. But you know what? <laughs> you go ahead, sweet pea, and I will be there with the blender. Like, no way. Like, we, Come why? On. Why? Because we understand, the Bible says in Romans 1, after after Paul makes um, the case against humanity as the Holy Spirit leads him, this is, this is the grievance that God has against humanity. You read all of Romans 1, not just the parts you like, but the parts that offend you as well, right? You read, because we're all listed there, by the way. Mm -hmm. Each of us, we're all listed in Romans 1. Like, none of us is without excuse. But you get to the end of Romans 1, and what does the Lord say? This is sort of like the nail in the coffin, because for all the people who would be tempted to believe, oh, well, I don't do those things. I don't have any idols. I don't worship the creature rather than the created. I'm not disobedient to my parents, which you'd be lying, okay? <laughs> but if you were tempted to make that case, then the Lord also says, through the Apostle Paul, the Lord also says, not only do you do, do these things that mm -hmm. you know are deserving of death, but you give hearty approval to those who also practice That's them. Right. So I don't understand how we in any way could justify this. It is a presentation of moral relativism that I think is unloving. I think it's unloving. And when I, when I heard that, as I was sitting there and I thought, oh boy, this is really troubling. This is really troubling because if we start to say that in order for us to build bridges and again, in order for us to be winsome, we've got to relax the standards of God, even in our own life, right? We're saying we've been too hateful. Can I just say this? And, and then I'll, I'll toggle back over to you, Will the Great, but can, can I just say this? This is inconsistent with biblical conviction and it's inconsistent with what would have been our contemporaries' understanding of, of biblical conviction, think about the early church, right? So not only a conviction that's communicated by the apostles, by the elders of the Lord's church, but it would have been the understanding of their contemporaries, right? Mm. And how do I know that? Because they died because of the distinctions that they held in culture. Yeah. Let me let me just back up here. When we think about the imperial Roman persecution, okay, when we think about what was was levied against Christians. When we think about the ways that they suffered, what were the reasons that they experienced immense persecution? It was because they refused to go along with common culture that diminished God or said, or said, listen, we understand that you guys worship Jesus. Just add him to our gods. He will be among our gods that we will worship. So vehemently was this um, resisted 
So vehemently was this rejected that Christians were torn to pieces by animals. Mm. That Christians were dragged through Roman streets. Why? Because they dared to align themselves unapologetically with God's word. The desire was not to be winsome by compromise. Mm -hmm. It was to be winsome by unapologetic allegiance to Christ. And this is what drew people to the faith. I mean, if, if you think of Tertullian, it was Tertullian who said that the blood of the saints is the seeds of the church. It's because of the sacrifice of the saints. It's because, and indeed, Tertullian, when he witnessed Christians willing to die and willing to give their lives for what they believed, he said, this must be true. Mm -hmm. This must be true. So how do we get to 21st century comfortable America and we say, well, okay, no, I'm willing to give my life for you, but I can't risk my grandson not liking me? Yeah. What about, what about if the grandmother says, I love you so much that I refuse to affirm a lie? I love you so much that I'm, I'm willing to risk that you will never speak to me again, right? I, I love you so much, but I believe that as you observe how earnest my faith is and how sincere my faith is, that the Holy Spirit will use this to mm. draw you to truth as yeah, well. I'm reminded of our friend, uh, Laura. Yes, who, yes. Um, when she was going through what she was doing, you know, that her mother would not call her Jake. Yes, yes. And that was something that tethered her to reality. Come on. So much so that she remembered that, that her mom didn't uh, bow down and give in to calling her what she preferred to be called, yeah. but called her Laura, you know? And so the, the thing the thing is, that was part of her salvation story, that yes. God brought her back <laughs> because of that. You know, that was one of the things, you know? And so I think this this continues, and we've said this for years, mm -hmm. This is this issue continues to be the one that when... Christians are confronted with it, whether it be on interviews, different things. You find some, you know, uh, uh, you know, soup mouthness is yeah. what we used to call it. Yeah. Be a soup mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this issue. And it's like, man, because there's a spirit, there's spiritual implications behind this issue. This is a bullying type spirit. And if you don't say the right things or if you don't, you know, uh, fix your words the way that they need to be fixed, then, you know, you're hateful. Or you're yeah. this and you're that. But, man, we have to stand upon the word of God. That's that's what we have. That's what's solid. The word of God. And so we need to stand upon that and not give in to the, the pressure of the culture to, to try to be what they would call nice. I would just say this. I would not attend, and I don't know very many Christians who would do this. I would not attend um, a cat sacrificing ceremony no. um, that witches were holding just to show support for my friend who's a witch or a child or grandchild who's a witch. And I think <laughs> when you start making parallel comparisons, mm. we can see how it is this bullying issue that is causing many Christians to doubt the authority of God's word. We almost are being pushed into a corner with the question that's being demanded of us, does God have the right to say what I do with my life? Mm. Does he have the right? And the Christian, man, we have no other recourse but to say, yeah, yeah, why? Because before the mountains were brought, before the <laughs> mountains were brought forth, right? Mm -hmm. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And because of that fact, mm. he has absolutely authority, ab mm. absolute authority. He, he absolutely has the right to say what we should and shouldn't do with our life. He is the maker creator of everything. That's the declaration of the Christian. So when we refuse to participate in ceremonies that call into question the authority of God and say, I get to rewrite, I get to redetermine, um, 
when when we participate in ceremonies like that, um, I would say that we are also agreeing with those who are in rebellion. Yeah, definitely. And the Bible calls that sin. I want to let um, Alistair Begg finish up his comments here just so that everybody gets the full context. Uh, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. They're... You're not going to your your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought judgmental, critical, unprepared mm-hmm. to countenance anything. And mm-hmm. it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and and don't understand that he is a king. John tells us he was full of grace and truth. And we have to figure out how we can be full of grace and truth at the same time, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, full of our words should be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Yes. So easy to get that upside down. <laughs> and when a pastor does, then that that will take on an, uh, a role in a congregation as well and flavor it. And so, you know, let not many of you become teachers. Yeah, let not many of you become teachers. Oh, oh my goodness. So so if, if there were any question, I think it was so important to hear the rest of Alistair Begg's statement because <laughs> what he is saying is that if this grandmother attends the transgender wedding of the son, the grandson who's, I'm, I'm forgetting exactly the scenario here, but what he's saying is that if she were to attend the wedding that rivals the truth of God's word, mm. That display of love, that is a display of love that would catch her grandson off guard. (laughs) But if she refuses to go, then she just confirms to him, reinforces (laughs) that we are judgmental and that we, I guess, in some ways are unloving. Mm. Um, That's tragic to me. It's tragic to me that we present to people a dichotomy that says the truth is the absence of love. I expect so much more from Pastor Alistair Begg than this response. And and I hope that um, that that I can come back in a later video and I can say, hey, Will the Great, I found a follow-up and Pastor Begg has apologized. It's possible. It is possible. I, I think of Rosaria Butterfield, who was um, an advocate for pronoun hospitality. Um, she later came out and she repented publicly of that. And she mm. said, I was wrong. I was mm. wrong. You know, no, we don't want to lie to people. Mm. Um, so, so I believe that there is grace and truth. And I believe that there is mercy um, for those who misstep in their communication. I, man, I, I depend on that. Mm. I depend on being able to mm. come back and say, you know, I should not have said that uh, on, on further um you know, thought here, I, I, no, I'm, I want to retract that statement. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, um, as we go back and maybe look at it, maybe there has been another opportunity that pastor Alistair Begg has taken and that he has said, you know what? I instructed that grandmother wrong and I'm sorry for that. Uh, I will say, I think I anticipate, let me say it that way. I anticipate that being, um, a little more difficult for him to do, because I think in some ways the book, The Christian Manifesto, kind of revolves around this idea of taking a different approach in culture. Mm. Wow. And if that is true, um, whoa, whoa. So anyway, um, I was concerned and we wanted to comment on it. We don't want to show partiality in any way, even though I have to say, personally, Alistair Begg is one of my favorite teachers. Mm. And so there's no joy in this, um, just the truth. 
just the truth. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless you.